Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Today's guest is Anuj Bala, who is the founder and CEO of Service Mob. What a cool name. I want to find out how that name came to be. Anyway, this is another AI-powered customer service company. I think we're going to learn a little bit about analytics. We're going to learn a little bit about the customer uh, experience world and how AI plays a big part of it. This guy is one smart dude. He went to MIT. He then went to Accenture and worked with them for years. This guy knows what's going on. Now he has his own company, Service Mob. All right, before we get into the interview, a couple of quick announcements. If you have a story that you want to share or you have a question, reach out to me on any of the social media channels. I am everywhere, and I will answer that question. By the way, if it is a question, use a hashtag, Ask Shep. I'll answer it there in the social channel, in my newsletter, The Shepherd Letter, on this show, Amazing Business Radio, or maybe on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. And you can find episodes on Amazon, Roku, Apple TV, or just go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. All right, everybody, let's get on with the interview. Anuj, welcome to the show. Hey, Chef. Great to be here. And I am so excited. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things customer service, AI, contact center, and maybe even beyond. This is a show that I think will bring a lot of enlightenment to anybody, especially who really focuses on customer service and taking care of their customers in companies uh, like the contact center. But I think we'll, 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 I just think general information about AI. You've got a really cool company name, Service Mob. And uh, if you go to servicemob.com, of course, you can learn all about it. But I want to know how you came up with that. That company name. That's a, it's an interesting uh, story there, Chef. I'm glad you asked. Uh, you know, Service Mob, uh, you know, back a long time ago when I was a consultant, you know, really trying to learn the entire customer service industry, we would go abroad. You know, if you remember early in the days uh, of, of uh, outsourcing, you, you had companies uh, that would set up 24-7 operations. And so oftentimes uh, you would go abroad. I was actually in India, you know, visiting a very large Fortune 500 company. Um, you know, they were they had their headquarters over there. And, um, you know, what was really interesting was because of the 24-7 nature of the business, uh, you actually and, and serving, you know, let's say the U.S. time zones, you actually saw this whole economy come out. Imagine, you know, we we look at workers that, that come out during rush hour, you know, the typical 9 a.m. rush hour to work um, because of the service to different time zones. You actually saw a, a rush of people that would come to work kind of in the middle of the night just because of the off time zones. And, you know, what we used to say back there is, oh, here comes the service mob, right? Ah, this is the there you mob go. That's, that's coming <laughs> out there. And, you know, all of a sudden, it you know, it, it gave life to a city that shouldn't probably be open at, at 2 or 3 a.m. But now, you know, you see folks coming in in the middle of the night and 
you know, it was affectionately called the service mob is kind of coming in. And, and that was uh, the, the, gen the genesis of, of the name. And uh, I kind of stole that sentiment uh, when we were starting our company. I love that. I thought mob. I wonder if any ties to uh, the mob, uh, but it's a different <laughs> mob. And and then not only that, I, I love that if you go over there, lunch hour is at like four in the morning. So <laughs> exactly. It's it's just you know, everything is just turned around. So yep. so that's kind of where the, the name came from. And uh, you know, we thought, oh, that sounds cool. So I wish it was uh, you know a, 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 an easier decision than that, or or at least a more thoughtful decision. But you know, it, it had some history with me, and I, I think uh, we thought it sounded cool, and we went with it. Well, I love it, and it's very memorable, which is great because I'm not going to forget it. Uh, now, what Service Mob does is uh, it's AI powered customer analytics, which for the rest of the world, what does that mean? It's like you're able to use AI to help. Uh, extrapolate uh, information, feedback, data, numbers, whatever, to help uh, measure and monitor. And I'm a big fan of, and it's often attributed to Peter Drucker, although several people claim to have said it, you can't manage what you don't measure. So uh, go ahead, give us a little, uh, you know, quick overview of what service mob does and i don't well, know if i explained it well but uh, <laughs> hopefully i did i think you did a great job uh you well, know you. but uh, i i love the yeah you know at least we attribute it to drucker but i'm sure it's been said a few different ways deming um, uh, you know, uh said it you know uh, as well but I, <laughs> maybe said it differently i don't know but but even taking it one step further right is you know if you can't measure it you can't improve it and there's a, a way that we're using artificial intelligence that's a little bit different than the way folks typically think of AI and contact centers. I think everyone goes to the chatbots. Everyone goes to the co-pilots. We're actually using AI in a completely different way to actually help us create the right data models for companies based on how they actually service their customers. And, and to give you an example, that service architecture could be very different depending on the type of industry you're in, the type of business you are. But you know, if I'm in healthcare, I may have to service members of my healthcare plan. I also may have to service doctors and hospitals uh, you know, who provide the service. So my, my customer base that I have to serve is a little bit different than, let's say, a travel and hospitality company that has to service guests, or, or a uh, you know telecom company that has to service subscribers. Each of these have a slightly different model um, when it comes to service architecture, and with that, the data that we need to be measuring could be slightly different as well. Uh, oftentimes, those nuances are very tedious. You know, as a consultant, I used to work with Accenture, uh, you know, many moons ago, but it's one of those things where uh, trying to come up with what's the data we should be measuring, that's always probably should be the first question, but how do we get to that and how do we fashion the data around the business processes and the service architecture that makes sense for a given industry or business? And so we use AI to facilitate that to make it easier for us to understand not just what data do we have, but what data should we have that we don't, mm. right? And if we can pull that together, now 
we have a blueprint on how we have this comprehensive view of that end-to-end service experience, which is really what we're trying to get at. Yep. So it's a very custom approach for each of your clients. And obviously, uh, one size does not fit all. Even as you mentioned, the healthcare organization, you've got patients, you've got doctors, uh, completely different types of customers um, that you're dealing with. And uh, so very interesting. You said something that I am now going to add to what you don't measure, what you can't measure. Gosh, I said it earlier before, but I, I wrote this down. So uh, you can't manage what you don't measure. You also can't, uh, man, uh, you uh, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it, which boom, that if I, if I ended the conversation right now, I walked away with one of the biggest keepers I've had this year. And we're, we're, uh, by the way, even though this might not come out till the first part of 2024, we're at the end of 2023. This is like, boom. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's great. It's, it's great information. All right. Well, let's jump into how you see, I mean, I know how AI is playing a part in your business. Uh, And by the way, I want to also say Accenture, great company. When people tell me they work there, I know uber smart, but let's go to uh, even before that you went to MIT. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 You got to be proud of that. Okay. You know, it's 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 as fun as you probably think it is, right? <laughs> um, if, if you're a, a real tech nerd uh, like myself, um, it, it's it's one of those really. I, I describe it as a bit magical. I'm, I'm stealing your lexicon now, but you know, it's, it was a magical place, magical experience. Um, you know, you get to be in front of so many experts in so many different fields, and that approach it it follows you not just in the typical engineering and science, but there's a lot of engineering and science in in what happens in business today. When we look at operations, can we take that type of lens to how we operate better, faster, and stronger? So being around those experts and really putting a lens on different problems that are faced in the world, that's what MIT is all about. And uh, being able to manifest that, they have a, a motto called mind in hand, right? And the idea is that, you know, this world is full of great ideas and that comes with, you know, that's kind of the mind side. How do we think about great ideas? But the hand side of this is how do we manifest that into the world? How do we take those ideas and translate that into things that can truly impact or improve people's lives? And, And I love that ethos. And that's, you know, what we try to bring every day and what we do at Service Mob, but even in my own life, right? That That's kind of words to live by. Well, and I got to tell you, being around people who are like you, who are as excited and motivated, this is not a typical college experience uh, because sometimes people are in college because their parents make them go to college. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I had a great experience. I went to university of Missouri, but I mean, I know I, uh, and I was in the half that made the top half possible. So at university of Missouri D stands for diploma, uh, just, it's a, it's a pass, right? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly it. But no, you know, some people try harder than others that some people just want to get through, but I think where you were, it was an extremely motivated environment. So I don't want to take a break just yet, but in a moment I do. Before I get into that, I just want to get your overview on how you see AI in this world. When we come back from the break, I want to ask you how it's impacting jobs, how it's impacting, you know, uh, the people that are fearing things, but what are the positive things that you see coming out of AI? And by the way, 
AI didn't happen since chat GPT came around back in November, 2022. I've been going to conferences. They've been talking about AI for, you know, at least a dozen years. And I'm sure even earlier than that, I just wasn't around all the people that were doing it. So what's your take on how this is going to impact us? I think people need to not be as worried about some of the doom and gloom around jobs as it may sound right. And I think, you know, a lot of folks have used things like ChatGPT, definitely a transformative technology that that's really come to the consumer and, and seen, wow, you know, very powerful capabilities. Um, I think that it's going to be about productivity, right? I think yeah. it's going to enable folks to do more and to do things more efficiently. And, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully if we do this right, more effectively, right? Uh, sometimes just focusing on efficiency is not the best thing, uh, you know, if it's not effective. And so that's the key that I think, um, you know, AI is is going to play in, in the future job market, the future of work. I really see it as an augmented intelligence in, uh, versus an artificial intelligence. Um, there's, you know, a saying that's going around right now that you probably won't lose your job to AI, but you might lose your job to someone who's using AI. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I think exactly. there's a lot of truth in that sentiment. And, and that's generally, you know, where I see things moving. That's exciting. Yeah, I see it really like you, I'm seeing it as a productivity and efficiency tool. I mentioned this uh, when I had a guest on the other day, we were talking about it. And I remember in the 1980s when I, I got my first computer and, and gosh, it was nothing compared to what we have today. But, you know, when personal computers are coming along and somebody, I made the comment that, you know, it's going to make me, uh, it's going to make me smarter. And he said, no, it's not it's going to make you more efficient. You're going to be able to do things faster, but you're already smart. You're not going to get much smarter. You're going to have to learn something from somebody or a book or something else, but the computer itself doesn't do that. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to go uh, talk a little bit more about you know the measurement, what important measurements. The other thing you said before I get off of the, uh, for the break, there was something that you said we need to make sure we measure the right thing, whatever that is. You, those weren't your exact words. But as you said that, I thought to myself, there was a definition of big data. Big data was a term that was thrown around a few years ago. Oh yeah. And one of the definitions I heard was, it's just so big, we don't know what to do with it all. And I always felt that the real smart IT people, the smart people in marketing, they knew what not to look at. That was as important as knowing what to look at. Because, boy, you see all these numbers and you get fascinated. But you know what? A lot of them don't mean anything. A lot of this measurement means nothing. Anyway, I can go on and on. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with uh, about AI, about customer service and experience. And I'm excited just thinking about it. Don't go away. We'll be right back. One of my favorite sayings is that customer service isn't a department. It's a philosophy. And it's a philosophy that must be embraced by everyone in the organization all the time, and that's 24-7. So if customer service is important to you, and I know it is, then you will love our virtual training, the ultimate on-demand customer service and experience training program that you can access anytime, anywhere. 
Now, the course content applies to everyone, regardless of position and responsibility, from senior executives to the most recently hired and everyone in between. You'll discover tips, ideas, and strategies that won't cost your company a fortune, but will produce what I call moments of magic, those positive experiences, and it will happen at every level of your organization. So go to Customer Service VT. That's V as in virtual, T as in training. That's CustomerServiceVT.com. It's time to get customer focused. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking to Anuj Bala, the founder and CEO of Service Mob. And we've been talking about AI and, you know, a couple of big takeaways. I just want to emphasize that the whole concept behind getting data is great, but understanding what data you're supposed to use. I mean, here's my take on it. Um, I've always said customer service, it's like common sense, but unfortunately it's not always so common. How hard can it really be? And during the break, uh, you and I were talking a little bit about that. And you said something like, well, I'll let you put it in your words. <laughs> so how hard can it be? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think, you know, and, and being a strategy consultant, seeing so many different companies operate in different parts of the business Customer service literally is one of the hardest parts of the business to be in. And uh, it's difficult. You know, if it was easy to do this, it would be solved here in 2023. You know, we're, we're in an era where we can land, uh, Elon Musk could land a rocket upright back on a launch pad after launching it in space. Um, Solving customer service still pretty hard. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, and, they can land. And, they, they not only landed on the moon, they landed back exactly where it took off of. And then somebody has to wait on hold for 45 minutes to talk to a rep. You yeah. Know, it's like, how, how have we not figured that out? I mean, some yeah, companies yeah. have, Yeah, I'll take the, the rocket problem, right? Like, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why this, uh, you know, this is interesting. Customer service is one of the few, maybe the only part of the enterprise where you can honestly spend a lot of money and resources before you know why you spent it, right? Now, think about that for a second. If you're in HR, before you're going to spend a lot of money hiring people, you're going to hire them. You're going to make that decision to come in and give them a salary and that cost is on your books. You know, any other part of the business, procurement, anywhere else, you're making decisions that, you know, where the cost is going to be incurred after that decision. Now, for customer service, we can get a spike, we can get an outage, we can get, uh, you know, a flurry of new customers because of a marketing campaign. And all of a sudden, my call volume spike, my contact volumes are through the roof. And I don't even know why this happened yet. But now I have to almost go back, look at that retroactively, understand what happened. And but the cost has already been incurred, right? I already paid for that labor. I already paid for answering those phone calls. Uh, I already paid the price maybe for customers who had to sit on hold for 45 minutes, right? So those are the things that are, are you know, that's why it's such a hard science in a lot of ways, right? You know, it, it's an art and a science in, in terms of customer service. Um, how you serve, there's all the soft skills that are needed to to create the right human connections. But the science side of this is, is also very difficult. It's incredibly volatile, very unpredictable. So, you know, this is why 
uh, you know, I, I think it's so difficult. And a lot of operators, I think, feel that pain, especially, you know, post-pandemic, where, you know, during the pandemic, the need for, in you know, non-in-person services has gone up just because we couldn't be in person nearly as much. But it hasn't come down. Yeah, and I that's think what a lot people, of operators yeah. are facing that reality now. Yeah, post-pandemic, uh, I just wrote my predictions for next year. Um, and it's getting ready to publish shortly. And one of the things I mentioned was that like convenience prior to the pandemic, I wrote a book called the convenience revolution. You want to differentiate yourself from competitors. You want to really jump ahead of them, be more convenient. Then the pandemic comes along and everybody realizes if we're not convenient, all of us were going out of business. Delivery became a big part of that convenience with a lot of retailers, uh, in all different types of industries, but retail really saw that. But guess what? Now that we're we're now two, three years, well, almost three years, I guess, out of that, the deepest, darkest part of the pandemic. And we still expect the same level of convenience and delivery. And now uh, not every, you know, and the benchmark becomes companies like Amazon that do have the logistics down. Why can't I get it in two days or three days? Amazon does it with toothpaste. They get it to me in the next two hours. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's right. crazy. But but that's what's going on. So uh, you were touching on this earlier, the fear that AI is going to eliminate jobs. And you had a great quote, and I love that. It's, you know, you're not going to lose your job to AI. You're going to lose AI. You'll lose your job to somebody that uses AI. Uh, somebody once told me that AI would make us stupid. My response to that is, no, it won't. And it would make us more efficient. When I got a calculator, I remember my dad gave me a calculator for like my 14th birthday. I was like the coolest kid, nerdiest yeah. kid probably, but cool, right? <laughs> and they go, it's going to make you stupid. You're not going to learn how to solve formulas. I don't think so. I just learned how to get to the answer faster. You know, I, uh, more take on AI is what I'm asking for. What what else do you see in the world? You know, uh, we're not going to see iRobot and robots taking over the world. We're not going to see HAL 2001, a space odyssey, <laughs> uh, or maybe we will. Uh, but maybe that's why so many people are concerned about AI. Yeah. No. So look, I, I see it as as this, and you know, not to get too philosophical, but I'll, I'll try to keep it cogent here. Um, I think AI is great at feeding back the world of knowledge that we know. You know, if you if you want to separate the universe into you know everything we know, and you could put that into a box, right? Let's put that into a square, and then everything outside of that square, you know, is is the world of information we don't know. That's what's going to happen tomorrow. That's what you know. All the things that we don't measure today. There's so much information that we just don't have. AI is great at telling us what is in the square of knowledge that we know, right? And if your job is in the middle of that square, right? You know, you might be, you know, there might be a migration coming, right? If you're doing, uh, you know, uh, marketing copy, you know, in a way that uh, where you have to like come up with 10 slogans, you know, yeah, sure. I think AI can do that. It can regurgitate a lot of existing knowledge that's out there. What you're going to see is a migration to the perimeter of, you know, that 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 square, so to speak, right? That frontier between what we know and what we don't know. And I think that frontier economy is what's going to be coming in AI. Um, and here's the interesting thing. I think specifically in customer service, 
you almost are always dealing with a frontier of new problems, right? You know, nobody's calling the bank because, you know, what's my balance? That used to be one of the number one reasons people called banks, did that wire hit, what's my balance, basic things. Now you're getting called because, uh, you know, an international identity theft ring stole uh, $100,000 out of my account. I don't want to talk to a chatbot, right? (laughs) AI is good. There's not going to be enough data for an AI to probably solve that the right way. And that could be so bespoke that you're never going to get a GPT-like response that's perfect with billions of data points. You're working against a proprietary data set, a data set that's only unique to that company where they have to use that to train the response. And unfortunately, there's not going to be enough data. There may never be enough data for a human not to handle that contact. And that's kind of where we're going is that I see a frontier as that knowledge, that square of knowledge grows. So does that perimeter. And I think that creates more room for jobs, ironically, in the future, right, on that frontier. And I, I think that's what we're going to see is a little bit more of a migration uh, to, you know, AI frontier jobs. What are we doing to create net new knowledge, you know, from things that we don't know today? Yep. And, you know, as we feed that, that you know, square of knowledge, we're going to create, uh, honestly, more opportunities for jobs. And I, I, I think that's something not to be over-concerned about, but something that we may need to prepare for as a society in terms of, again, how do we use AI with our job to, uh, you know, help people solve problems, uh, you know, efficiently and effectively. And, and like you said, there's artificial intelligence, but you see it as augmented intelligence, supporting people doing their role. And, and again, the easy questions like bank balance, that could be handled digitally. Don't need to worry about that, but there will always be a need. And I love the idea that you feel that, and, and this is what employees, and I actually have a piece in my predictions that say, Employees need to recognize they may lose the job they have as a description because they're going to be pushed into a different description because, and that's fine. You're going to be up-leveled. You're going to be taught a new skill. You're going to be put into a, uh, because we don't want to handle low-level things. We're going to train you to handle the higher-level things. So I think there's good opportunity out there for people who have that right mindset and are willing to accept the fact that change is a coming, not elimination. So, yeah. And, yeah, and and to to that point, I think reskilling in the age of AI may be easier than ever in the past. And so, you know, when you're talking about the job description changing to upskill someone to use more user friendly technologies, um, to use things in the way that's a little bit more natural to us as humans that may close the gap as in terms of how fast it takes to upskill and and really optimize the workforce for the new economy. So I think that, you know, in the past, like you were mentioning the computer before, you know, it's going to take typing skills. It's going to be take, you know, certain technology skills, working with screens, that kind of thing. But we're in a position now, I think, as a society where, you know, we are in a much better position to upskill, um, you know, our, our workforce in ways that are incredibly beneficial. So I, I think it's not, you know, as much to fear as maybe some of the, uh, 
you know, pundits are, are out there talking about today. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what makes news. That's what makes cover stories, the hyperbole. So we're out of time. Uh, and by the way, I could talk to you for hours. I really can. You're an amazing guy. And and the, I just am fascinated by the way you think. But one last uh, piece of advice, nugget of wisdom, anything you'd like to share before we jump off today? Yeah, I think the, the last thing I would leave with is you know, we are so much more today, more than ever, a service economy. And I think, you know, how we service each other as, you know, consumers, how we service each other as citizens, patients, whatever have you, wherever we are a customer of some business or organization, that's going to be, you know, a bit of the defining moment of how we move forward, uh, not just using technology, but really, you know, on a, on a completely different level, how we connect better as humans. And I think, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more attention paid to how we create great experiences, move away from interaction and transactional views and relationships and measurements to things that are in a lot of ways more experiential. Mm. How do we now you know, quantify, action, observe, and, and truly at the end of the day, improve experiences because now we are able to measure it to take it back to, you know, the the Drucker quote and maybe one step further. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I could talk to you, like I said, for a long, long time, but this is why we call this Amazing Business Radio because we have amazing conversations with super smart people like you. Thanks for being on the show, my friend. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Shep. And, uh, you know, uh, enjoy that weather, uh, the 60-degree the weather in St. Louis in December. That sounds amazing. That doesn't happen that often, but people are going to want to move here. So now that you've told them that, we're going to start to have overcrowding. The secret is out. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're out there in California, when the when the ocean gets too close to your office building, you can come in and we'll find a place for you here in my office building. How's that? Hey, we have to go to Tony's, right? That's good. There happen, you go. So. There you go. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, thanks for being on the show and everybody. Thank you for listening. Well, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We will have another great interview next week. And until that time, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.